Well, today we are thrilled to have with us our special guests. They have family in this church. Their, their, their father and mother attend this church. Don and Carolyn Devine. Don oversees our coffee shop for many years here at Destiny Church. They have brothers and sisters in our church as well. And some of the families here today. And we are thrilled to have them. They, they, they pop in every once in a while when they're in town. And many of you didn't know, that they, they pastor one of the largest and fastest growing churches in America over the last 10 to 15 years. They have just exploded. they got multi-campuses, multi-sites going on just right outside of Atlanta and Douglasville. They have a, this thriving ministry. They are just on fire, making a kingdom impact in that area. And it's a high honor today that they've chosen to be with us and take time to be with us today. So I want you to welcome our friends, Pastor Dave and Cindy Devine. Come on, Pastor Dave. Now, I'll just tell you this. Yeah, you guys, come on, come on. We've we even given honor. Let's give them honor today. Thank you, guys. Before he comes today, let me just tell you, I appreciate you very much. Not only have you been a friend to our church, but every time we have a chance to be together, not that often, but when we do, you're able to just to pour in to my wife and I. And I'm, he's trying to eat his meal or play golf, and I'm just like, Tell me about church girl. Tell me about some things. And I'm always picking his brain. And he never acts bothered. He always answers my call or he, he takes um, time to, to share with us. And he's been a friend to our church, but really a friend to me. And I appreciate guys who will open up their life, open up their home and church and say, I want to pour it into you. And he's allowed me to do that. So you guys, one more time, a big honor to Pastor Dave as he comes this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Gene. Um, now, some of you may have thought, I've seen that guy around here before. Well, that's my brother, Paul. My pa- brother, Paul, and I look a lot alike. And uh, Mel told me this morning, she says, just, Pastor, I just have to tell you, it's eerie. It's eerie. So, so hopefully this isn't too eerie for those of you that know Paul. But he and I are, are close, and we love each other so much. I love him, and I've got a great family. It's great to be here with my family today. It's great to be with all of you again that we're at the marriage retreat. Where's the marriage retreaters at? Okay, we're not going to retreat in our marriage. We're going to go forward, but it's great to see all of you again today. And Pastor Gene and Mel, we love you guys. And it's just amazing what God has done through you here at Destiny Church. And we've watched all the growth from the very beginning. And like he said, we do stop by a couple times a year when we're here visiting our family. And it's just always great to be a part of your worship experience. Love the music. Wow. Uh, The spirit of your church is just awesome. And uh, all that. You know, we love our church. We've got a great and growing church. They're in service. They just finished service number three this morning, starting service number four in just a few minutes, and service number five will be at five o'clock. Now, you thought you had it tough with two. So it's exciting, though. It's so exciting to see the Spirit of God uh, moving, touching lives. And every time we come to Destiny, we see it's grown. You've added more seats, and there's people sitting over here today that I haven't seen that section open before. And so it's just exciting to see people coming to Christ, people uh, serving the Lord, and and just making a difference for the kingdom of God. So if you have your Bibles today, (coughs) I've got a little cough, so just bear with me. I'll try to get through it without um, too much cough. But if you have your Bibles, go with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. Um, When we come to Joplin a couple times a year, I can tell you it just feels like home. Now, I've never lived here. I was born and raised in Parsons, Kansas, southeast Kansas. And my family, we, we grew up over there. But uh, my mom and dad moved to Joplin many years ago, and, and so my siblings have lived here in Joplin. But when we come to Joplin, it feels like home. But the reason it feels like home is because this is where family is. You know, home is really where family is. Those of you who have moved around different places, military people, I mean, home is where your, your family is. I'll, I'll go back to Parsons now, but it doesn't really feel like home because my family's here. And I think it's important to know that when you, when you feel homesick, it, you're really homesick not so much for a place, I think, as much as you are for family, being with family. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the subject homesick. Have you ever been homesick? Anybody ever been homesick? Maybe you are right now. Maybe you're, you're staying here for a while, but you're away from home. Uh, I remember eight years old, I was on a, a, a bus at church camp, my first experience at church camp, away from mom, dad, family and just there on this bus and I was just crying. I remember just crying my eyes out at eight years old wanting to be at home. 
Yeah, I know you feel really bad for me. That was a long time ago. But anyway, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. Um, I want to share a message today that is really, I think, countercultural. Um, it, it's, it's, your, your, your flesh might just push against this a little bit. Because I think there's a tendency for us to get really comfortable with where we're at and where we're living in the good old USA. And I want to I just challenge you with a word today, maybe be a little more teachy rather than preachy, but I want to give this to you. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, let's read. By faith, Abraham, when, he, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. Make a note of that. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had an opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. I want to preach, teach from this text today. And the first thing that we see, if you have your, your notepad, your iPad, whatever you're taking notes on, the first thing I want you to write down is God's promises apply to more than just this life. God's promises apply to more than just this life. We preach about God's promises. We desire about God's promises. We quote God's promises. How many of you have a promise you're holding on to right now for a breakthrough or for a financial answer or something? God has many promises. We sing about his promises. We love God's promise. But, but let me suggest to you and show you in scripture today that God's promises are more than just for this life. Verse 13 says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. Listen, that's the way to die. It's to still be living by faith. They were still living by faith. The writer has just mentioned Abraham and Sarah. And in verse 9, he mentions Isaac and Jacob. So he says, these all died in a way that they were still living by faith. See, they, they were still living by faith because... They had not received all the promises. They'd received some promises. We've received some promises, but not all. Some, but not all. There's more to the promises of God. So if you're taking notes, write this down. There's more to God's blessings than we can fit into this life. There's more to God's blessings than God can fit into this life. He needs more than just this life to give you all the blessing that he has for you. And the lesson is that the promises of God are not only for this world, and some will be received now, but not all. And these patriarchs died, still living by faith, still expecting more because God had promised them more. He'd promised them more things. So, So let's look at verse 13. Keep going as we're reading through this text. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. Now watch this. The Hebrew writer wants us to understand something that I think maybe we American Christians don't understand so much. And maybe it's, it's because we typically love our nation. We love our home. And we love our lives so much. But the writer of Hebrews wants us to see that the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, And Jacob did not view themselves as being home, but they saw themselves on earth, the Bible says, as aliens and strangers, almost like outcasts or refugees on this planet. And so the writer is teaching us that this should be true of everyone who lives by faith all the way to the end, that we should be living by faith as strangers and aliens on this planet, that we should be living 
by faith because of the precious promises of God, understanding that this world is not our home, but we are only passing through. The songwriter said, this isn't our home. We're just passing through it. And I get it. I can even tell maybe by your quietness for a minute that this is countercultural, that, that our flesh wants to reject the idea that this isn't home because we're, we're working to make this a better place. Yes, I get that. Our flesh wants this to be home, but our spirit longs for Eden. Our spirit longs for so much more. For me, I, I need to admit, as I look at this passage, I need this word. I need me to preach to me. I, I need the word today because for years, I have to admit, I have slid into a deep love for the good old USA. I have slid into a, great, a deep love for the United States of abundance. I'm proud to be an American where I least, at least I know I'm free still. And where at least I know that my needs are met most of the time. Where, where I know that I am more blessed than 98% of the rest of the entire world. Because God has blessed America. And I love this nation. I love being able to live here. It's a privilege. It's a gift that God has enabled us to live in this great country. In fact, for those of us who love Jesus and for those of us who love to worship and who have followed Christ for many years, many of you, like I have, I mean, I've been a Christian since just right after the Civil War. And, and we, here's what I know, and here's what it feels like, that we've been on the home team as Christians here in America for a long, long time. I mean, we, we have, we've lived on the, you know, on the home team. Christianity has experienced home field advantage in America. And that's just the reality. But in the last few years, not so much. In fact, I want to suggest to you it's actually changed. That we as Christians are no longer the home team. You sports fans know what I'm talking about. How many of you are Kansas City Chief fans? Wave your hand at me. Uh, yeah, a big part of the room. Um, I, thought, I thought that might be the case. Now, I was, I was following Pastor Gene and Mel as they came back from the marriage retreat yesterday, and I, I looked on their beautiful Nissan Armada, and I saw what color it was, but then I saw the tag, and I had a Sooner thing around the tag, and I realized maybe I should not be following them. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And I may have lost half the crowd right there. I don't, I don't know. But, but those of you sports fans know what I mean when I talk about home field advantage. The Kansas City Chiefs will, will, will go to, to summer, summer practice and move into the fall and summer camp, and they'll go into the fall, and they will have one goal in mind. Yes, the Super Bowl at the end of the season, but to get to the Super Bowl, there's a, there's a shorter-term goal. And the shorter-term goal is to secure home field advantage through the playoffs. R right. Why? Why? Because they, there's a better chance of winning when you have home field advantage. I, I haven't done all the science on, on this, but the reality is the statistics show the home team wins the majority of the time. Why is that? There's something about being in your own stadium. The familiar surroundings, the warmth of your own stadium, your own arena, your own ballpark, your, the, the place where the crowd is shouting for you and everybody is with you, and it's just, it's just nice. It's cozy. It's, it's home. You walk back in from a road trip, and, and the athletes say, we're home, and they go out and they perform, it seems, at a different level when they are the home team. And, and I can say that it feels like, you know, in America over, over the years, as I was growing up, it just seemed like, you know, it was easy to be the home team. And, and yet now, not, not so much. Statistically, followers of Jesus, born-again Christians, we've been the home team. We've had it our way. We've lived the Burger King life. We've had it our way with our Bible, with our beliefs, and with our values. But it's no longer true. It's shifted. We're the visitors. We don't, we don't have the advantage anymore. We don't, we don't get to walk into to the, the marketplace and the, the schools and the universities and, 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 and 
sit on the soccer field stands and, and just be able to just share our faith without somebody maybe reacting. Am, am I right? You can't walk into these secular universities and feel like, hey, everybody around me is people of faith. No, no, actually it's the opposite. So we're no longer the home team. We don't have that advantage. Liberalism, secularism has taken root. And it now influences much of our nation. It's promoted from our public schools, yes, in our universities, to Hollywood and from the bully pulpits in Washington, D.C. And those who live for Jesus, not in name only, but those living for Jesus, under the lordship of Jesus Christ, are no longer the home team. We're the visitors. But maybe, maybe, maybe that home team thing was just an illusion for us all along. Maybe that's not even what God's Word taught we should be thinking of. Maybe we shouldn't have had the feeling of being the home team. In fact, maybe somewhere along the way, the body of Christ began to believe that this really is our home, that we really should hold on to this life because that's all there is. But how many of you know that's a lie? How many of you know that's what the enemy wants the church to believe? That somehow this life is all there is. So we need to invest in this life and not worry about investing in another life because this life is all there is. But that's a lie. That's not the truth. And so this, 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 this is not our home. God's promises say there's more. And many of God's promises, listen, are still future. And so we need to be looking and we need to be longing for more. Basically, what Hebrews 11 is saying is that God has so much more planned for us in the life to come that the promise of more should change the way that we live now. Can I teach a little bit? The promise of more should change the way we live now. And the promises that God fulfills for us now should whet our appetite for heaven. When he heals us now, when he provides for us now, when he reveals himself now, when we we get into his presence and we worship him like we are today and we do it now, all it should be doing is whetting our appetite for heaven, for something of greater glory, for something that's, that's more than what we have now. How wonderful it is that he gives us a glimpse of heaven now. How wonderful it is that he, he gives us precious promises now and he performs his word and he provides for us now. But it, it, it's only really to let us see, hey, you know what? There's more than this as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, in the book of Philippians, Paul explains it this, this way. He, he, he has a tension. He has a struggle going on. And he explains it this way in chapter 1, verse 21. He says, for me to live is Christ." And to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will, mean, <coughs> this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. He's torn. What's he torn between? He's torn between living and die, dying. He said, if I had a choice right now, <sighs> because he was living this life of faith. And he says, you know, if I keep on living in the body, it's going to be fruitful labor. It's going to be awesome. But I know that there's promises of greater glory. I know there's promises of more. So I'm torn between the two. Watch this. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Now look what he says. I desire to be with Christ, which is better by far. Well, how much better is it to be with Christ? What's Paul say? Preach to me. I I preach much shorter when you talk back to me. Uh, He says better by far. That's how much better it is. I I, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Better by far. Now, now, I don't know what I can do to convince you of that other than let the Holy Spirit do it through God's Word today. Because I just want you to know that God says it's better by far and what God says He means. It's better by far. Now, I'm not, I'm not wanting you to have a death wish. 
<laughs> to go experience heaven and make it better because it's better by far. But I do want, want you to believe that God's word is true. Yes, we should continue to labor for God now. We should continue to love life and give God our very best now. But in my heart, I know there is a place that is better by far. I know it's better by far. You don't need to go to a mountain and put on a white robe and just say, oh, it's better by far and I can't wait to get there and not do anything now. No. But, but we, we as the visiting team now know that there is coming a day and there's a place that we are going that's better by far. He says in verse 24, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. So now he's kind of making up his mind that it's necessary that I stay here because there's fruitful labor here. Verse 25, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. He says, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to continue for you, for your progress, for your joy in the faith. I want to see you keep growing in, in grace and faith and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to believe that the joy of the Lord is your strength. So I'm going to stay here and I'm going to keep depositing in you. I'm going to keep investing in you. We're going to see more souls come to Christ. We're going to disciple them and we're going to see them grow in their faith. And that's, that's wonderful. That's great. And that's important for us to do that. I want to see your progress. I want to see your joy in the faith. Paul says, but just have to tell you, I'm homesick. I just have to tell you, I'd rather be in heaven with Jesus. But I know staying here will help other people to find Jesus. So I'll remain here. Secondly, number two, living by faith is living the tent life. What do I mean by that? Keep reading with me in Hebrews 11 verse 9. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. The Bible says he lived in tents. Now, I camped out a lot as a kid with my friends, with my cousins. We'd go out to the lake. I camped out a lot. But as an adult, I would much prefer the Hyatt, the Hilton over the KOA. I just would. I just went. I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a camper. Cindy and I have not uh, done any camping as, as a married couple. We just haven't. We just like to camp out at the hotel much better. But I've put up tents, and I've slept in tents, and I've tore them down. And I know when you're living in a tent, you don't spend a lot of time getting the tent comfortable. Why? Because you're going to tear it down. You're going to pack it up, and you're going to move again. You don't spend a lot of time decorating the tent because you're just going to stay there temporarily. Now, I know that if we were going to start camping, which we're not, that Cindy would say on the way out of town, hey, I need to stop at Hobby Lobby. I need to pick up a few things for the tent. Or I need to stop at Home Goods because we need to kind of decorate. I'm like, no, we're not spending any money on the tent. We're just going to throw the sleeping bags down and we're going to stay overnight or for a few nights or whatever. It's momentary. It's, it's just for this little while. James said it this way. He said, life is but a vapor. It's just, it's just here for this little while. Now, as a young pastor and as a young Christian, I read that scripture and I thought, yeah, right. Now I get it. Now I understand how quickly it goes. Teenager, young adult, young families. Life is so fast. It's here for a little while and it's gone. It's just we're living a tent life. And so what I want to do is caution you from, from, from digging down too deep and planting your roots here too deep and, and building and see how big you can build and how big of a future and how it's like, And all those things are okay as long as you keep in mind that we're going to hold on to it loosely. That this isn't all there is. This isn't what I'm living for. All the stuff and all the things and the status and all the things that, and all the degrees behind your name, all those, those things are fine if you can use it for the glory of God. But don't do it just to have it. Because you're not going to have it very long. It's amazing. 
I look at my family and I stand up here as an older guy now. I mean, I'm past halftime. I'm, I'm, I'm a sports fan. It's a lot of sports illustrations. I'm, I'm at the end of the third quarter, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I'm middle third quarter. My, my sister's saying, no, you're not at the thir- end of the third quarter. She's probably saying, you're in the fourth quarter, buddy. And I've been thinking, you know, and I'm, th- I'm, I'm now thinking out the next 20 years. Because I, I view myself, and when I look in the mirror, hey, I see a really, okay, I won't tell you what I see, but, but uh, I think of myself as young. I mean, I may have three kids and 110 grandkids, but it feels like it when they come over. I have 10 grandkids. And I think out in the next 20 years, and I think, ooh, I'm going to be 76 in 20 years. People are going to think I'm old then, or I'm older. But I don't think of myself that way. But my point is, I can't believe I'm here already. I love where I'm at, but I can't believe I'm here already. It goes so fast, but I'm living a tent life. I'm investing now in the things that are eternal, not the things that will just pay me back now in this life. The tent life for us simply means we understand that this is not all there is. We're going to be moving on. And my hope is not in what I have, but my hope is in what is coming. If you're taking notes, write it down. My hope is in what is coming. So we should hold the things loosely. And then the Bible says that Abraham lived like a stranger. And this is a common term for people of faith in Scripture. In fact, in Psalm 39, King David looked back over the testimonies of the people of God before him, and he included himself in the lineage of strangers on the earth. Strangers. Kind of an odd term. Psalm 39, verse 12. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cry for help. Be not deaf to my weeping, for I dwell with you as an alien, a stranger, as all my fathers were. In other words, all of those who went before me, they were strangers and aliens too. Now, when we're talking about, for you young people, when we're talking about aliens, we're not talking about UFOs. No, no. We're, we're, we're referring to pe- people who are actually residents of another place. People who are residents of another country are considered aliens. We're talking about people who are from out of the country, and they need a green card, or they need a, a temporary resident visa. And really, as followers of Jesus... That's who we are. I think we need to teach this in Discipleship 101. That's who we are. We are, we are not citizens of this, of this planet, but we are residents of another place. But we, we really kind of need our own uh, green card here because we're, we're, not, we're not citizens of this world. Oh, I know where we are in the physical realm. But in the spiritual realm, I'm a citizen of another country. When you were born again, your citizenship was transferred. You need to understand that. You didn't just sign up and say, okay, I'm a Christian now and I'm saved and I, I'm going I'm to one day go to heaven and, and I'm, I'm going to avoid hell. No, no, actually it changes the way we live now on this planet because we're no longer citizens of this planet but we are our citizenship Paul says was transferred to another kingdom I love I love it in Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 it says but our citizenship is in heaven it's so clear followers of Jesus have a citizenship card in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there from there our savior's from there our savior is not coming from this planet our savior is coming from heaven And so listen, if you aren't real comfortable with the values and the vices of your culture, this culture, good. That says something about you. That says something about your citizenship. If you're not comfortable with all the things you're seeing in the media and all the things that this culture is promoting and the different lifestyles, if you're you're not comfortable with the things that you're hearing, good. That means uh, you're a citizen of another place. That's to be expected because this is not your home. Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. He says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world. Now, he's talking to, to followers of Jesus. And he says, okay, this is not your home. Your citizenship is not here. You are aliens and strangers. So he uses that same Bible term to, to describe them. He says, abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Why would he say that? 
because you're of another kingdom. Because this isn't, this isn't where you're from. Now, the people who are from this kingdom, they, they respond to the lustful desires that they have, and they cross the, line, the boundary lines and move into sin. That's, that's because they're citizens of this kingdom. But that's not who you are as aliens and strangers in the world. So in other words, the eternal promises of God should be, should be shaping our whole way of seeing, shaping our whole way of thinking and feeling as we live our lives here on earth because we're strangers here. But let me say this. As a stranger, there's a danger. Many people te- teach their, their children to not take candy from strangers and not to go a walk away with strangers. Don't get in the car of a stranger. Why? Because there's a stranger danger, right? But there's a stranger danger that Jesus' followers need to know about. So I'm going to tell you what it is. There's a danger that we can get so comfortable and accustomed to this culture that we can forget this isn't our home. We can get so, so accustomed to it. And so want, it's so wonderful. There's a danger of getting so comfortable with living here and living in the dark. That we become people of darkness rather than the children of light. We are the children of light. Light should burst forth in the darkness. Light is different than darkness. Light produces wonderful things. Darkness produces sin and death. I I came home late from a a board meeting last fall, and it was late. It was about 11 o'clock, and Cindy had already gone up to the room to bed, and and I was just a little bit hungry, so I went into the kitchen. I didn't turn on any lights. I don't know where everything is, and so I was a little bit hungry, and there was a jar of fruit and nut mix on our counter. And so I just thought, you know, I'm just going to grab a handful of that, and that will curb my appetite a little bit. So I popped the lid off of it, and I'm kinda, it's kind of dark. It's very dark, actually. And I reach in, and I, I put a big handful of that fruit and nut mix in my mouth, and I put the lid back on, and as I, as I bite down on it, something didn't feel right. I just kind of look back over at the jar, and there's just enough light that was cast on that jar to let me see something swarming inside and outside of the jar. It's in my mouth. It's in my mouth. So I dove my head into the kitchen sink and spitting it out and turning the water on and started washing my mouth out. And at the same time, I'm yelling, Cindy! She comes running down the stairs, realizing I'm in crisis of some type. And she flips on the lights. We look over at that jar of fruit and nut mix, and it's swarming with ants inside, outside, across the counter, up the wall, across to the window. Every ant in the neighborhood had come to the fruit and nut mix party. And a good number of them were in my mouth. What did I learn? (laughs) Be careful when you go for the fruit and nut mix. No, turn on the lights because bad things can happen in the dark. Are you with me? Listen, we can't grow accustomed to living in the dark. We are people of light. And as people of light, we should be homesick for something more. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 in the message says, Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead... Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. The King James says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We should be aware of the danger of just trying to fit into this world. Teenager, young adult, college student, listen to me. Stand for something. Stand for Jesus. Stand on your college campus. Stand in your high schools. Stand around your peers for Jesus Christ. Be light in darkness. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. You'll fall right into the same culture and lifestyle that's trying to suck you in. You've got to stand. Remember, you're only, you're only passing through. This is a tent life. We should be aware that God has more for us. Better promises. The third thing I want you to see in this passage before we close is... We desire to be welcomed home. I hope you'll write that down. We desire to be welcomed home. I want to point out two key words in verses 13 through 16 of our text. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. 
People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had an opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. The first key word I want you to see here in this, in this verse is looking. A stranger living by faith in God's promises is someone who is looking for another country, another kingdom. He understands Matthew six thirty three that says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. A person who's looking and longing is seeking first the kingdom of God in this life. And if you do, all these other things that, you're, that the flesh kind of looks for and longs for, God says, hey, I got that. I'm taking care of that if you'll seek me first. When we're looking and longing, we also understand Jesus' words in John 14. This, when he said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will receive you unto myself that where I am, you may be also. When we're looking and longing, we know that there is a better place. In fact, it's better by far. Better by far. The Bible says they were looking and longing. And this speaks to desire. The life of faith looks for and longs for a better country. Yeah, we have a great country. I'm proud to be an American. I've told you, I, I'm, I'm going to vote. I think everybody ought to vote. I, I, think, I think we're part of the greatest nation in the world. I'm not here to, to promote any candidate or to, to talk politics with you today, but I believe that America was established to be, I think God established America to be the great nation that it's been. I believe God established America to stand with Israel. I, I think God knew that Israel would always need a friend. And that we're here to stand with Israel. I think God established us to be the great missionary nation that we are. To be a light. To be a beacon that's shining around the world. And if, and, and, and if, if, there, are, there, if there are people telling you that's not what we were designed to be, I believe they're wrong. I believe that we were designed to be a nation that would help the poor, that would help those that are struggling. Yes, that would step in and help when other nations are being attacked by enemies. I think God raised us up to be that nation. And I think God wants us to be that. But heaven is far better for the people of God. It's so good that God calls us to be homesick for it, to desire it. And this homesickness is at the core of our faith. It's at the core of our faith. And that we, we should desire the promises of God far above what this world has to offer. Now, finally, as I prepare to close, listen, lean in here. This kind of faith that I'm talking about today has an amazing effect, but the effect is not only on us, but there's an amazing effect that this kind of faith has on God. And I want to show you. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 16. Instead, they were longing for a better country. Watch this, a heavenly one. Therefore, watch, God is not ashamed. Well, that's an interesting line, isn't it? He's not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So if you're taking notes, number four, God is not ashamed. To me, that's just a striking phrase. I, I don't think there's another phrase in Scripture quite like it. God is not ashamed to be called their God. Now, as I, as I read that, I'm thinking, well, that means then that maybe God could be ashamed to be called their God. I would say that as you've come here today, many of you have come, and you're followers of Jesus, you've come to worship God. You've come to say that he, you are my God, and today I worship you in my heart and my singing and my giving and my receiving the word, and I, I'm here today as an act of worship to my God. But this verse begs a question to be answered. Could God be ashamed to be called our God. So we, we, we think of that, and, I, and my, my answer to that is, I never want God to be ashamed to be my God. But what, what could make God be ashamed to be my God? 
Well, certainly he wasn't ashamed to be Abraham's God or Isaac's God or Jacob's God. In fact, all through the Old Testament, you hear God saying, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he's like, you see this proud papa with his chest out. <laughs> I'm their God. So God certainly wasn't ashamed to be the patriarch's God. I don't want him to ever be ashamed to be Dave Devine's God, but what is it? What is it that would make him ashamed to be my God? Well, let's look at it here. What is it? The writer gives us the answer in verse 16, and we see it in the therefore. Verse 16, instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. There it is. For he has prepared a city for them. Do you see that? They were longing for a better country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be their God. That's it? That's it? I thought it would be something about my behavior that would cause God to be ashamed to be my God. Or I thought it would be something about I didn't fulfill God's purpose very well for my life. I thought that maybe would make God ashamed to be my God. No. What this verse tells us is the fact that we don't look and long for a better place. God would say, well, if you're not going to look and long for a better place, I'm not feeling really good about being your God today. So I want to suggest to you that we need to make a shift in our faith and quit wrapping our arms so tightly around this life, although this life is wonderful, this life is good, yes, there's pain, Yes, there's struggle. Yes, there's a lot of problem. But for God to not be ashamed to be our God, we need to, we need to stop and think about desire. Are we looking and are we longing for something beyond what we have right here? See, listen to me. God always looks at the heart. He always looks at your heart. You, you look at your behavior. You think other people look at your behavior. But God is always looking at your heart. And he says, my concern today is about your desire. My concern today is where your heart is leaning and where your heart is turned. And if your heart is turned towards me, and if your heart is turned towards where, where, where you're going to be with me one day, because you're just living this little tent life, it's so fast. You're setting up this tent and you're going to tear it right back down. But if you can begin to shift your heart and start thinking about a city whose builder and maker I am, Listen, I'll be, I want to be your God. I want to walk with you through this life. I want to help you when you need help. I'm going to strengthen you when you need strength. I'm going to help you get over. I'm going to help you overcome when you're undergoing. <laughs> How many of you are undergoing something right now? Well, God says, I want to help you overcome it. Yeah, we undergo stuff. But God says, I, I want you to be an overcomer in this life, and I will help you do it. But I want you to look. Look for that city. Get a heart. Get a, get a desire. Look for me. Look for that city. I know some of you are already looking for it because you've got loved ones there. you got, you got, you got a mom or dad there. You've got a grandmother or grandfather. You've got a, a son. You've got a daughter there. You've got an auntie there. And you, you want to see them again. Yeah, they're in that city. And as we look toward that city whose builder and maker is God, we arrive in that city because we finish this life living by faith. (laughs) We don't stop. We don't stop because something is hard. We don't stop because something goes wrong. We don't stop because there's pain. We don't stop because it's just hard to overcome. No, we keep pressing on by faith, holding on to the precious promises that are available for us today, but knowing that there's more. There's something that's better by far. There's something better than what we have today. And God says, oh, that's my boy. That's my girl. And I'm not ashamed to be their God because they're looking for me. They're looking for my city, and I'm going to take them there. We're all going to be there sooner than you realize. That's not to say this life isn't important. I hope you don't take that away from this message. What we do here is very important. But are you looking for that place whose builder and maker is him? Would you bow your heads with me right now? Lord, thank you for this time together. 
Thank you that we can come and lay hold of the precious promises and experience the presence, the presence, the mighty presence of God. We're in, a, in your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand, our pleasures forevermore. Thank you for the peace of God today that passes all understanding. Lord, I know there are people in this room right now and they're going through trials or going through different struggles. There's different tensions right now that they're feeling, but God, there is a peace that flows from heaven. There's a peace that flows from your son through the Spirit of God that gives us the peace in every situation of life, a peace that you describe that passes all understanding. I pray for a peace to come over people today. I want to talk to to people for just a minute that maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you're in a place right now where you you just don't feel you're in a right place with God. In fact, if you're in that place, or maybe you're just kind of like, ah, oh, I'm just so struggling in my spiritual life. I'd like for you to just kind of look up at me for a second. Because I want to give you a quick, very important and concise presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Real 60 seconds, 90 seconds. The Bible says God became man in human flesh. And he lived the life that we should have lived. And he died the death that we should have died in our place. But on the third day, listen, he rose again, proving that he's the son of God. And offering the gift of salvation to everyone who would repent and believe in his name. He's saying to you today through that gospel message that Jesus Christ died, but he rose again on the third day, and he died as a sacrifice for your sin. And for all the things in your past that seem to hold you back or hold you down or maybe have a grip on you right now, a sin hold, a sin grip on you, the Bible says Jesus died for that. He rose again in power that you could be set free from that sin grip. And right now, he wants to set you free and give you a brand new start. You say, well, how do I do that? By putting your faith in him. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, no one looking around, I'm going to just ask on the count of three, how many of you would lift up your hand and say, Pastor Dave, today, include me in this prayer time because I need a brand new start. I want my heart washed and cleansed. I want to walk out of here walking in a brand new way. I already see hands going up, and I haven't even started counting yet. One, two, three. Three, shoot your hand up all over this room and be included right now and say, Jesus, I need you today. I need to have a brand new start. I want you to wash me and cleanse me and make me brand new. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, you can put your hand down. And if you lifted your hand or even if you didn't lift your hand, but you want to be included in this, I'm going to ask you to begin to pray. I'll guide you, but I'm going to ask you to pray. I can't pray for you. And as you begin to pray, pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I admit that I've sinned. Just tell him, I admit that I've sinned. I admit that I've gone my own way. And I believe today that you are the Son of God. And that you rose again on the third day. Tell him, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you rose again on the third day. Right now, I confess that I've sinned. I confess that I've offended you. I've offended God in my behavior and I ask you to forgive me and wash me and cleanse me of my sin just tell him ask him right now wash me cleanse me make me brand new give me a brand new start today thank you for the power that's available through the blood of Christ the the resurrection of Jesus the power that's available to set me free if you're here today and there's anything that's just grabbed a hold of you that you just can't get free of just say thank you Lord Jesus that the blood of Jesus the cross sets me free today I put my faith in that I put my faith in you and right now receive what he has for you and if you're praying with me right now in the name of Jesus The Bible says you are saved. You have confessed Jesus as Lord. You've repented of your sin. You've admitted that you've sinned. And now you've said, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. Just telling that, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We believe that promise. So let's celebrate right now all over this room. People who have said, yes, I am saved today. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. How many of you, as you're looking up at me, would lift up your hand and say, 
Pastor Dave, thank you for the good reminder today that, that we're just living a tent life, that we're just passing through, that, that, that we can't live and dig into this culture, but we've got to live countercultural, and we've got to be people of faith all the way to the end. God bless you. Thank you for letting me be here with you today. Today, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, we welcome you to the family of God. We are thrilled, yeah. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, let me invite you to stop by our Welcome Center as you leave today. We have a free Bible we'd love to give you and some more information on what's next in this journey because it's a beginning point. It's not the end, a beginning point of a new journey. You need to be plugged into a life-giving church who can support you in your decision to be a Christ follower. Let me just tell you this. We have a water baptism service coming up at the end of this month. And we would love if you accept a Christ today or over the last few weeks or maybe been a Christian a long time. We believe that water baptism is a public confession. We go forward public with our decision to be a Christ follower. And we would love to water baptize you. Stop by the information center. Sign up if you would like more information on being water baptized. Now, today... Our ushers are going to come in just a quick minute, and we're going to be taking up a love offering for our guests. I appreciate them coming here. They haven't asked for a dime. They haven't required anything. They just came and said, we want to be here to pour into destiny. We love you guys, and they want to be here. They've taken time out of their schedule to be here. And I want to, in return, I want to bless them. I want you guys to help me. We want to bless them. Just let them know that destiny loves you guys, and we want to give you a love offering today. So just bow your heads and ask the Holy Spirit what he would have you to give today. Can we do that, Father? What would you have us to give? Now, as he speaks that number two, I want you to be quick to obey. And let's give this, everything that comes in this offering, we're going to give it to him. We're going to bless them today. God bless you today. Stand on your feet. Come on, so let's, let's close this song today that says, let a fire. Come on, let's let this fire burn in our hearts today. Come on, y'all know this song. So help us sing it out this morning. It just simply says, set a fire. Come on. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more Come on, help us sing it out this morning. Set a fire. Set a fire down in my soul. God in your life? Man, what a, what an awesome weekend. Let Pastor Dave and Cindy know you love them. Do you guys appreciate them being here today? One more time. We love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. We love you as well. Thank you so much for being here this weekend. We are excited tonight. It's Life Group Night. Don't forget that. If you would like to know more about Life Groups and you're not attending one, you can stop by the Welcome Center and pick up a list of all those Life Groups. We'd love to have you involved in one of those home groups tonight. God bless you. You guys have a great, great rest of your week. God bless you.